Oh, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to a very special episode, episode 57 of Double Hot Beat, where we're taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, we are joined by a very special guest, Bianca Alley, lab manager from Omega Yeast. Welcome, Bianca, to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Pretty excited to be here. And I understand you are also a home brewer. On top of being a lab manager. <laughs> correct. Correct. I unfortunately used to homebrew a lot more. And then kind of working in the brewing industry, you kind of brew a lot less because you're just involved in it every day. But I have been picking it up a lot more frequently now. I just bought a new condo. So that also took, you know, moving and all that stuff. So now I have more free time. So I've been brewing basically once a month. So I'm very excited to get back into it. So what kind of system are you homebrewing on and kind of how long have you been at it? So I started, I probably, I moved to Chicago about four years ago. I really started then. And I started at a really awesome place here in Chicago called Chaos, where you can basically rent a space. You you rent their space. And so they have all the equipment you can possibly need, um, which was awesome for me, who didn't really have much. I had a couple, you know, carboys, fermenters, but that's about it. So I could use their space. It's super great because cleanup's really easy. They have everything you need. And then, you know, as you get better, as you get more involved in these hobbies, everything gets a little bit more expensive. You get better equipment. Then I started working at Omega and I was able to brew at work. So I kind of maybe a couple of years ago stopped going to chaos. I still go to their events and participate in their events that they have there, but I now brew more at work. I just recently bought a Brewzilla with a coworker of mine. So we kind of go halfsies on it. We brew together, brew solo. And so that's my main, that's what I love to brew on. It's just easy. It's fast. Mm-hmm. It's a 240 volt. So heating water is, you know, super speedy and anything that makes my brew day go a little bit faster is perfect for me. But I also have a pilot system at work that I'm able to brew on when I'm helping out R&D with some, you know, new strains or new ideas that they're focusing on. So there's a pilot system and the Brewzilla, which are my two main go-to brew systems. Awesome. So with the Brewzilla, do you guys have like joint custody of that or do you have to? Uh, Yeah, basically. Luckily, we've been brewing more on it Um, together. We'll come and we'll be, we'll just, hey, do you want to brew? Yeah, I have this recipe. Okay, let's do it. But he just brewed a uh, jalapeno hef, which Mm. actually came out really well. So if it's not like we fight over it, we really don't. <laughs> so it's it's really easy when it's just two people and we have the same work schedule. So it really works out. Wow. Well, that sounds nice. like a, that sounds like a dream, honestly. Like you don't have to <laughs> put, be fully committed, like buying this equipment and you also get to share the experience with another homebrew. Yeah. Yeah. That's just amazing. It really is. And I, I learned something new today, Shan. I didn't know there's these places where you don't have to buy the equipment. You said they have all the homebrewing equipment like there for oh, you yeah. to use. Everything. Cool. And like as me who came in like really a novice and didn't really know anything in order to be, you know, in order to, to have them just let you go free. Uh, and basically with their equipment and with burners and stuff, you have to have three supervised brews and you basically just say, Hey, is anyone available? You know, Tuesday at five, I'm thinking about brewing. And there's always someone who's like, yeah, I can, I can come in. And I really met up with a really great guy named James Faircloth, another great guy named Chris, who I actually work with now. And they really helped me brew. They're really great brewers, taught me a lot of things, taught me, you know, some of the niche stuff that I wouldn't have known or would have struggled with to get there on my own. So it was really awesome having someone like to mentor and kind of guide me into a a better position than I would have been solo. That's awesome. I've never, James said, never heard of something like that. And that sounds like a really great community. So I wish they would have something in our ear about this. 
And you said that, was that in the Chicago area? Where was this um, place? Yeah, okay. uh, it's uh, kind of downtown Chicago. But yeah, here in Chicago, I've also looked it up. There's, they're, they're really rare, but they are around like, I'm from California. So I was looking to see if when I go home to visit, if I'm able to brew there because everyone's always like, oh, teach me how to brew, show me how to brew. And so I can't just fly with all my equipment. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was like looking up places and they're pretty scarce, you know? Unique idea. So what is the latest brew that you made? So the latest thing I brewed was actually a hazy IPA, all the craze. Mm -hmm. We have a new strain out, which is Cosmic Punch, um, and it really accentuates the hop profile. So a coworker of mine who is actually my the other half of me in the lab when I don't work, she works. Her name is Lauren Fuentes. Her and her husband brewed this NEPA and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. She lent me her recipe and little did I know that it was about 10 ounces of three different kinds of hops. One of them is Galaxy. So it's a six gallon recipe and it basically came out to a hundred dollars of just hops. So, you know, I can't brew that every, every month or however often I want to brew it. So I brewed it once, brewed it at work actually, and it basically kicked in a day. Wow. So it was a great beer. And I was like, okay, I've got to be able to do this again. But now that we have this new strain that really like brings out the aromatics of your hops, let me try it with that. And I basically used half as much hops. So about $50 worth of hops. And it came out spectacular. It was awesome. I mean, you wouldn't even have known that I used half the amount of hops. The juiciness was there, the fruitiness, the aromatics was there. It was, it's awesome. I can probably even brew it again and minimize the amount of hops, just a little bit less. Which is great for the average homebrew who is trying to, you know, save a little money or if the hops that they're trying to use, they don't have that much of it left. That's great that you're able to, with this new strain, be able to use less hops, but have that aromatics that you would expect from a nice yeah. hoppy IPA. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's just now because I I basically cut the price point in half, I can brew it more frequently because it is a good beer. It's just, it came out to be a 7.3% beer. The haze is there. The like juiciness is there. Everything is just top notch about the beer, but I can probably even dial it down a little bit more as far as like the amount of hops I'm using and get it to a place where like, I can probably brew this you know, once every couple months instead of like that huge dollar amount, which was like a hundred dollars for a six gallon, which like was essentially wasn't worth it for me because there's so many other things I could brew for less money. I could probably brew two brews for that price. Exactly. And so you said this was the new strain out by Omega Yeast. And I saw it's also out for homebrewers as well on the commercial side as well, correct? For the the strain. And so just explain a little bit about what someone should expect. I know that on Omega Yeast's website, it says that you should expect grapefruit, passion fruit, and guava notes, as well as high flocculation. So when you read something like that, if you're getting into home brewing, what's the most important thing that you look for in a new strain of yeast, given what you like to brew as a home brewer? The main thing I look for, and like I said, I brewed this first, I brewed it on the Brewzilla, and it's basically ease of use, you know, can the average home brewer brew it at home super easily and get amazing results. And the answer is yes, I didn't do anything special. I pitched as normal. I will say the first time I did brew with it, I put some saws in the mash. And because I did that, it was a little bit bit more bitter than I, I don't like bitter beers. 
So it was a little more bitter than I like. So when I brewed it the second time, I didn't even add any mash in the hop or any hops in the mash. So like home brewers don't even have to worry about, you know, the right percentage of hops to add into the mash. They don't have to. They just brew it as normal and add your hops and you're ready to go. So James mentioned in the description of this yeast, high flocculation. And here at Double Hoppy Podcast, we like to highlight flocculation nation, as I call it. <laughs> so for those people who might not be as familiar with yeast and getting into home brewing, can you just give a little explanation about what high flocculation or what flocculation is and what you can expect when there's a high flocculation? Yeah. So, so the cosmic punch is basically our British five. So if you've ever had a hazy, it's the British five. It's because British five, it's also known as the haze maker. It kind of leaves these proteins in the beer, which gives it that hazy quality. So pairing the new, like the thialized version of this, you are still getting that. You still know what to expect with the British five if you've ever brewed with it, but you're just adding, uh, it just bringing it to an elevated new level with the whole aromatics that it can bring. Definitely a, one of those points that as a home brewer, you kind of focus in on what kind of style are you brewing and then pick the yeast that kind of fits whether, you know, if you're brewing in an apartment where you know you're, you can't control temperature, you want to make sure also that you know, your yeast temperature is within the range that you can control as well, right? So you can get that um, fluctuation. I mean, it's, it's super important. I mean, you're not going to brew a lot of lagers, let's say in Texas, you know, as a home brewer where you don't have control over lower temperatures, it's freaking hot outside. So <laughs> You can't expect to lager something if you don't have like a lager fridge. So I think that's where Omega is really pushing the bar because we're coming out with a lot of things. We have the Horn and Doll, which you can pitch at 90 degrees, you know, and I know that R&D is doing a few experiments. They're also playing around with dry hopping. So they've slightly found that if you dry hop at four days and if you dry hop at day seven, you're going to create this haze in your beer again, more for like hazy IPAs, but you're going to create this haze just from dry hopping on a certain day versus like at knockout. Yeah, that's crazy to think about of just like by the day and what the temperature is like when you're, you know, going to pitch to your yeast as well. It's just all these factors that you have to kind of think about as a home brewer. And then on a commercial grade, you hope that you have the facility to be able to optimize that organism, which at yeast, you know, it's a living, living thing. Yeah. So you're a lab manager at for Omega Yeast. How did that come to be and what's your daily routine kind of like as a lab manager for Omega? So again, I started homebrewing at Chaos and well, let me backtrack a little. Came from California, came from this Santa Rosa area where Lagunitas is from. And every time I would go to Lagunitas, everyone was having a blast. Everyone seemed to love to work there. So I graduated with a bio degree and I was like, dude, I could do this. I can definitely do everything that they're doing, everything that they need to know. I know that I'd love to get a job here. Weren't hiring, weren't hiring because, of course, everyone wants to work at a great company. Yeah. <laughs> then fast forward a little, Lagunitas opened in Chicago. I had a friend working or uh, moving out here, and I was like, okay, if I'm going to make it anywhere in the beer world, at that point, Chicago was uh, number three per capita for breweries. It's like, I, then I I got to come here. My chances are higher. Lagunitas just opened. They're going to be hiring people. If not, there's a whole bunch of other breweries that I could essentially try to get a job at. Came here, kind of scoped it out, you know, did the little spy stuff, went in, kind of got the vibe, felt things out. 
And unfortunately, Lagunitas wasn't the same. It just was not the same. So I didn't know where to go from there. But I knew that I needed to start, you know, homebrewing or putting a, my foot into the scene here. So that's when I started at Chaos. And luckily, James Faircloth, who kind of mentored me in my first couple of brews, knew someone who worked at Omega. And at that point in time, there was like, I think when I started, there were six people at Omega. Oh, and wow. yeah, uh, so they just they were in need of people. I think that they had realized that if, you know, someone was sick or needed time off, there wasn't enough people to cover because there was just so, so little people at that time. And my I had availability. I was open. I had the qualifications. And so it was kind of, you know, right time, perfect place. Everything just kind of lined up. Yes. And so that's how I got the job. <laughs> that's, well, that's great. So as a lab manager, what do you do? I'm sure everyone out there is like, all right, I'd love to be working with something that I love to do every day. So what's a lab manager do? Like what, do you, what are your daily responsibilities involving yeast? Ultimately, my main, my main job is to maintain the day-to-day -day operations of the lab and to help facilitate the smooth production schedule. So essentially, if you call or email or put in an online order, my job is to make sure that that is started fresh from our on-site yeast bank. Um, you never want to get to the point to where, you know, the day before someone is supposed to get their order, it's like, oh, sorry, there was a mix-up in the lab or something wasn't started and we don't have your yeast rate. So that's really my main job. But I mean, other than that, I write SOPs. I'm responsible for equipment and maintenance. I stock and manage the lab, anticipate any supplies. If we get an influx of, let's say, lacto order, making sure that we have enough materials for that. And then train and guide all the prop techs, support R&D if they need any assistance on the weekend because they're not always there. So I can actually help and keep their experiments going and then also lend a hand in the QC department. So really just kind of all over, but essentially just making sure that your order is started when you order it. Wow. That, that sounds amazing and also terrifying at the same moment. <laughs> it's a lot. So for the homebrewers that are just used to, you know, getting their liquid, you know, the little package of liquid yeast, can you kind of describe how it gets there? Like what's the process that you have to work with to try and make that happen? How big of a batch per se, if you know, do you make, or what's the process like to get it to that point where it's in the home brewer's hands? It starts from a plate or a slant. If you've ever ordered um, yeast on a slant, we basically, it's the same method as on a plate. We take an inoculum, put it into a small flask, basically like home brewers would do if you were propping it fresh at home. And I just make sure it grows and grows and grows and it goes into its necessary tanks. And then from there, we kind of decant some of the water because as a home brewer or as a commercial brewer, you don't want to pay for wort essentially, right? You want the yeast that's on the bottom. So we decant that. And then once there's a good yeast to water ratio able to mix up, then we put it in its, whether it's a cube going out to a customer or a homebrew pack going out to homebrewers. To me, that sounds like a lot of work. So <laughs> I am not a science uh, person at all. Not like James. So I'm just like all smiles over here because this is just microbiology. And I was a biology major as well in college. So to me, I'm just like geeking out over this. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, it's no more than what a home brewer would do, but you just continue, like, after you get your little, like, a flask. When I when I was brewing at Chaos, I had a flask that I would, you know, prop up for my brews. 
but then you don't stop at the flask. You just keep going until it's basically in a tank. Yeah. So one of the things that, well, not that yeast doesn't interest me, but one of the things that really interests me that you do and what is unique is you create images using yeast on Petri dishes. And I think that's so cool. So like, how do you do that? Is there a certain type of yeast that works better? Like what's the process? There are. So each yeast is a living organism, as, as you guys have said, and each one reacts kind of differently. We plate them on WLN plates, which is that blue plate that you will see in basically the Omega post. And whether or not that the yeast is more acidic or basic, essentially it will uptake the dye, the blue dye. And that's how you get that the yeast form. And then because we, we have hundreds of different strains, I'm able to kind of know what strains tend to lean towards a certain color. And then from there, try to match shades. And it's only really black and white that I can do. I, I, we don't really have anything else. And then just match shades and try to like draw out whatever the image is. So did this start as kind of like, just like a fun thing that you're like, Hey, like, let's, I think I can make a picture by using the yeast. Let's try it out. Or was it kind of like something that was always in the works of let's showcase yeast because, you know, we're awesome. I think, well, the first plate I think I did was in 2017 when we changed our logo. So I did the new logo on a plate and that's kind of like where it ended. And then this year it kind of really took off because Lance's birthday was this year. I mean, he has a birthday every year, but <laughs> it was his birthday. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do for Lance? He's really not a guy that like, you know, likes to put himself out there. So I was like, what can I do? That's kind of a birthday present that he'll also love. So I was like, I know he loves this picture of himself with his fro. So <laughs> let me take that picture and see if I can put a, put it onto a plate. And if it doesn't turn out well, then he's never going to know. But if it turns out well, then I'm going to give it to him. And it turned out pretty well. So for his birthday, there was just like a plate of himself on his desk. And for those who don't know who Lance is that you're referring to, that would be the founder and creator of Omega Yeast, correct? Correct. Yeah. So then, I mean, it started with Lance and kind of every birthday, anytime someone had a birthday, I would kind of just put their face on a plate. And so luckily there haven't been any birthdays recently. (laughs) So I've gotten to take a break, but I went on vacation and I missed two birthdays and I hear that Uh-oh. they were ki- were kind of upset. So when I got back, I had to, you know, hurry up and make two more faces so I could get them, get them out for their belated birthdays. But And how long does it take once you start a dish? Like what's the, until it's ready? You'll see growth after 24 hours, but the plate isn't in its final form until like day three. That is so cool. We will have to get a double hot beat plate from you yeah definitely so do you i don't know if you can play favorites when there's so much yeast around but do you have a favorite yeast strain honestly it's it's my favorite strain is actually lacto because i really like sour beers yeah but working in the industry you know people kind of poo poo on sours and they're all about the hazy beer Mm -hmm. but i think other than lacto i really like the horn and doll, just because it's so versatile. You can you can pitch it hot, you can pitch it on the cooler side. You really don't have to worry about it. It's a fast fermenter. And again, if I can shorten my brewing time or my from start to finish beer drinking, and then I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. I'm also a big fan of sour, so I'm with you on the lacto. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we have to brew a sour. We have yet to brew a sour. So if you've you've brewed sours, you were saying, right, because you enjoy them. Yeah. 
So we might have to touch base with you and see what we can get going on a sour beer. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned you like sours. Is there any other particular style of beer that you think really highlights the power of yeast? I think right now the other big strain that's out is Lutra, just because it's also so versatile and people are using it for a lot of different beers and styles and they can pitch it hot, they can pitch it cold. Other than that, I really think Hornendal, you can really push that and probably get a beer finished from start to finish in seven days if, if you're pitching it hot. So that's cool. I just think the where the yeast industry is going is it's going to be crazy to see in a couple of years because we've kind of exhausted what we can do with malt. We've played around with hops and new varietals of hops that are coming out. But the newest thing to come out and for us to start playing with is what can yeast do to better your beer? And so I think that's where that's what Omega is trying to do. How can we improve your beers with yeast, which is just another, you know, ingredient in your beer? I mean, I think I've experienced that myself where I've had bad experiences brewing with my beer in the recipe I knew worked out prior, but I used maybe a yeast that was too old or it wasn't healthy. It didn't have the cell count that was really viable and high that it just didn't produce the same quality beer that I t tended to like to enjoy. So I think you can relate to as being a home brewer, you're so critical about your own product more, even more so than critiquing someone yeah. else's. 100%. I, I also think, and it, this is me just thinking right on the spot. I think the first company that can probably create a yeast that does not oxidize beer is going to m make so much money because as a home brewer, that's probably the number one area in which your beer spoils is you oxidize it in some manner. So if you could eliminate that or inhibit that in some way, I think that's, that would be insane. Yeah. That would definitely be like, you would pay like $20 for one of those packages because yeah. just the fact that you the don't have to worry about factor. it. Yeah. 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 You didn't go through all of that brewing process just for it to spoil at the end. You, you, I mean, $20 is well spent on knowing that you're going to have a drinkable beer. Exactly. And so two other strains that I think you had, you were ha very hands-on with from the article, I was reading the Jim Vonnetrack's article in Brewer's Friend on the POF project that Omega Yeast did using CRISPR. Can you kind of, so when I saw this, again, like being from James was biology, like geeking out. I was geeking out. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, wait, they use CRISPR? Oh my God. And so- He like ran into my library when I was working and was like, listen to this. And I was like- that means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> She's like, what is CRISPR? I, is this a person? Is this a place? You need to give me some more context here. So from your your point of view, dealing with CRISPR and this project with the two strains, Bonanza and Sundew, can you kind of talk about what CRISPR was able to do or what Omega Yeast was able to do in this project for these two strains? Yeah, so I can touch on it a little bit. Again, I'm not R&D, so I won't be able to hit every nail on the head, but Essentially, genes have been modified through selective breeding for thousands of years. And an example of this, a perfect example, is the POF gene. The natural state for all sac strains is to be POF plus. But through like natural selection and brewing over the past couple of hundred thousands of years, they have preferred strains that are POF negative. So most of the strains that we actually use today are POF negative. So, I mean, that just happens naturally through you know, natural selection and selecting the beers and the styles that people liked and then passing those down. But essentially we 
targeted a gene that already exists in brewing strains and then just modified it. So this modification could have happened through point mutation, and it could have theoretically happened through selective breeding or through a point mutation in the genetic code. So it's technically not considered GMO in the U.S., but again, other countries have their GMO qualifications. So we basically sped up what natural selection would have done. Wow. And the, in these two strains specifically, I think you had mentioned that they were to reduce the phenolic flavors and in turn bring out the more fruity characteristics in the beer. Is that kind of where you, what the goal was with these two? Yeah. So it's basically it was just to reduce the, the phenols, I believe, and then bring out all the other flavors and characteristics that the yeast can impart on beer. That's crazy. I'm like... See, Shannon, that's science. Yeah. <laughs> the power of science is alive, just like yeast. I just can't yeah. wrap my head around it. I just think it's amazing. I guess that's the yeah, word it, for it. It is, for lack of a better word, really nerdy stuff. And you'll <laughs> find me at work just nerd because <laughs> really... I think nerds are, I think we need to take back the word nerds because nerds yeah. are really running the world. Look at Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all nerds, mm-hmm. all doing great things. So I think nerd is a word to appreciate and to take back. And so you'll see me all the time kind of, you know, pick on the R&D lab because their lab is right next to me. And I'll just say, hey, nerds, what are you working on? And then... <laughs> There, there's a guy in there, Keith, who will be like, also fellow nerd, and then he'll respond. So it's just nerd is some nerd is a phrase I like to use, but I mean it in the most wholesome way. Well, speaking of words, if you could describe yeast in one word, what would it be? I think it's fascinating. I really think that these single-celled organisms are fascinating. It's just they can take beer and impart so much flavor on it. I mean, look at a Mexican lager versus a regular lager. It's just both lager strains can taste completely different. What would you say for one word, Shannon, of yeast? Now that you know know all this about yeast. I would still say flocculation because I just like that word. And I think it's just, I mean, I've always said that yeast is arguably the most important ingredient in beer because it's what gets the work done. If there was no yeast, there'd be no... Ethanol. There'd be no alcohol. Yeah, there'd be nothing. So, I mean, I just... I think it's rock star. How about that? Ooh, that, that that's, Ooh, that's a good, that's a good one. one. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I first thought of two different things, and I couldn't debate which one I was going to say uh, for this. So I'm going to say dynamic because yeast can Ooh. produce so many different things, and it's a living organism. And there's just you never really know what you're going to get. Like it's a little bit of a surprise, even though you have everything down and how it should behave. It's a living thing, so it might deviate. It you might get a mm-hmm. you know something weird. That, yeah. You know, when you're a fermenter, you might, it's all based on its environment. So it's just yeah. super dynamic. So all, you 100%. Home, yeah. so all you homebrewers now listening at home are now going, oh my God, what am I get, getting myself into here? I just thought I'd just pour this dry packet, rehydrate <laughs> it, or this liquid. But luckily, like, you don't have to think too much, like you guys in the lab and... Bianca's doing all the work for you. Yeah. yeah. The nerds are doing all the work yeah. for you. The nerds. The nerds. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you wanted to let our listeners know about or bring up? Without saying too, too much, I would just like to say, I think Omega Yeast is really running with the whole brewing, essentially running with, if customers have an issue or a problem or if home brewers have an issue or a problem, Omega is trying to come up with creative and intelligent ways of solving that through yeast. 
Also, you can call us and if you have a question, we'll help you answer it and get through it. But I think that like, again, using Texas as a perfect example, you really can't logger there. You really can't pitch yeast that needs to be at 68 degrees. So Hornendal is a perfect example of how to get away with 90 degree, you know, pitching at 90 degrees or holding it at 90 degrees. So I think we're, we're trying really hard to stay on the forefront of uh, the yeast industry. So you're saying keep an eye out because keep, keep an eye out. <laughs> keep your eye out, Flocculation Nation. It's coming. <laughs> yes. It's coming. Okay. Well, we want to thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Not, not bad at all. Loved it. Well, that's a wrap for now. Flocculation Nation. We're always looking for homebrewers to share their experience and their brews with us. So you can always DM us on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And as an independent podcast, your support means we can stay that way. So please follow us on our Instagram page and tag your friends on your favorite posts or episodes. Also, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us get new listeners, and we appreciate it so much. And we just want to say another special thanks to Omega Yeast and our guest, Bianca Alley, uh, for joining us today. We had so much fun. And as always, thank you for listening. This has been Double Hoppy. Catch Catch you on on the the brew side. side.